0: Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we do lift up uh, Camp Julian Oaks to you. Lord, I pray for all of the kids who pass through this, this summer. Uh, we pray that the things that they learned and the things that they were exposed to, the truths about Christ and his love, uh, the message of forgiveness and healing, Lord, we pray that uh, as they enter into the school year and about their day-to-day lives, Lord, uh, withdrawn from uh, what they were exposed to this summer, We pray that your Spirit would continue to lead and guide them into healing and redemption and uh, just health, Lord, that you would continue to do your work uh, wherever they find themselves, whether they are in a place where they can go to church or not. Uh, We pray that you would do uh, your work in their lives. And Father, we thank you uh, for the work that you're doing in our lives. We thank you uh, for this book of Genesis, this book of beginnings. And today, as we end the life of of Abraham, Father, we thank you for this man, his story of faith. Uh, It wasn't uh, perfect, but it was growing over the course of his life. And so we thank you for his example. We thank you that it's not about us being perfect. It's about the one whom we trust that being perfect. And we thank you that you are perfect. We thank you that you're loving. We thank you for your mercy and your grace and your patience with us. And so, Father, we pray that wherever we are, and our faith journey with you that you would continue to to move us along in our in our walk that we would be able to uh, really to live our lives well uh, that at the end of our days uh, we would breathe our last breath and and enter into your presence to hear you say well done my good and faithful servant and so father we come before you today asking that you would work uh, through your your text here And Lord, help us to to see things that you would have us to see. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 24. I'm going to read the first nine verses here. Uh, Now, Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he owned, Please place your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites uh, uh, among whom I live, but you will go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Suppose the woman is not willing to follow me to this land. Should I take your son back to the land from where you came? Then Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you will take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this, my oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant placed his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. And Father, we do thank you for your word. Uh, we ask that you would help us now. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right. So, so we've decided to sort of, we, I say that very loosely. I decided. Uh, I'll take ownership of it, to sort of take uh, the, the book of Genesis in in chunks. It's a, it's a large letter, or not a letter, it's a large book. It can kind of get sort of overwhelming. I get kind of bored going through stuff. I'm like, ah, you know, and, and so I've decided that the best way to handle this, we took the first 11 chapters, which is sort of like the creation account, the beginning uh, of sort of like human history, the things that God did, and he created, sort of setting the foundation of the world, our earth, and the things that we know about his creation. Then the rest of the book sort of goes into four different categories, looking at the four patriarchs. There's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Those are the four characters that kind of continue the rest of, of Genesis. So today we're sort of ending the life of, of one character, Abraham, and the baton is being, bata- the baton is being passed uh to his son Isaac. And so there's there's sort of like a an overlap, a, a puzzle piece that fits together, sort of bridging the gap from one generation to the next generation. And so we're only gonna follow the thread of the one generation as best as I can. There's they're super like intertwined here. Uh but I but my focus is on sort of Abraham and his ending of his life. And then we're gonna take a break. And starting next week for the fall, we're going to pick up, uh, first John. It's a shorter letter in the New Testament. We're going to take the fall looking at first John. And then in January, we're going to pick up with Isaac again and go through the life of Isaac and to see how far I go. If we, maybe we push through. I, that's beyond where I've, I've thought out right now. Okay. Um, I forgot an announcement. October 8th. Miss Pat's funeral, the memorial service is going to happen. I know nothing more than it's on October 8th. It's a Saturday. It will be here. Um, there's going to be more information to follow. I do know that we'll need help. If it's anything like Bob Towsley's funeral, these are people who invested in a lot of people and the uh, amount of lives that they touched far exceed the capacity of our building. And, and it's a, it's a, I think that's a lesson to us about how to live your lives well. Um, and and so we're going to need help with things like helping people park, helping people get into the church, help, like whatever these things are. So just kind of if you can save uh, that Saturday to be available to serve and uh, to come for the memorial service, it would be a huge blessing. Okay, so we're going to begin. We're looking at Abraham, the, the quick little interlude there, sorry. Um, so verse 1, Now Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way, when I read this verse, every time I my eyes sort of read this verse over this week and just saw it. There's just something like beautiful in this verse. Uh, this isn't about Abraham being perfect. You, you don't have to read too much of Genesis to see the mistakes he made, the shortcomings he he had. Even in he and Sarah's life, you know, God calls God calls Abraham out of out of basically modern-day Iraq, into the Promised Land. He gives her him a wife, and then uh, he makes some mistakes, a couple mistakes, and three mistakes. There's a handful of mistakes, but we're not really counting his mistakes. We see that he kind of stumbled in his faith, but we see a gracious, loving God who continued to lead and to guide Abraham, and we see Abraham's faith, like, mature over the course of his life, by the end of his life, he's so committed to walking faithfully with God that he's willing and ready to take the life of his son, not understanding how this could possibly work out. The New Testament says that Abraham believed so much that even if he followed through with the execution of his son, that God would be faithful and raise his son from the dead, even though he didn't understand this. And, And so we see Abraham all in at the end of his life. And then we see this beautiful picture where God looks at him and he just says, you know, he was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed him, had blessed Abraham in every way. And sort of, you know, this is uh, sort of when I read this verse, the feeling that I get inside of me is like when you have a really good barbecue and you eat and you get to the point where you're like, man, there's still tri-tip left. But I can't even eat another piece. I'm just so content right now. It's kind of like how this feels like. It's just perfect. It's like not that his life was perfect, but like God had so worked in his life that it was perfect. And his life is coming to an end. And so, verse twelve. He has one, Verse two. He has one more thing that's like weighing on his heart. So Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he owned. Please place your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I live. But you will go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Isaac. And so he has this last mission. He's, he's concerned about uh, the promises that have been given through his son Isaac. He's concerned about who his son is going to marry. Your spouse is super critical in like the direction of the course of your life. He wants to see his son like married well so that God's blessing would continue. There's a couple things. Uh, I'm trying to figure out the order. So the first thing we got to do, this whole like hand on your thigh situation um, let's just deal with this one right away. So earlier in Genesis, we've seen various sort of contracts. Remember the animals, you split them in half. There's a thing, Daniel, I had him come up on the stage and we walked back and forth. And that was a covenant that uh, as you were walking back and forth through the blood, you were saying, if I don't fulfill my side of the obligation, then as these animals are, this will be me. Both guys or both people kind of saying that this is a responsibility. Now, this one is a little bit more awkward because it's like the hand on the thigh, and I'm not going to go into all the details about this, but the, the thrust of this this covenant is sort of like, I need you to make this vow, and if you don't follow through with your part of this vow, my seed, my generations that follow after me, they're going to come after you and hunt you down. That's kind of like the, the thought behind this, that, that the generations that follow, they will make sure that this vow is sort of followed through, like it just what today it's like shaking hands, you know. We'll just call it that. They made a they made a co- they made a covenant with one another, or he made this guy make a vow. This guy's like the senior guy in his household. Abraham was very wealthy. He's at the end of his life. He doesn't know when the end of his life is coming. I sort of sense this is uh, very close to my life right now. You know, my dad sort of in the, the last season of his life. None of us know when we're going to die. My dad by all like medical, the doctors, everything seems fine. We're not like in hospice. We're not there, but my dad's, you know, he's pushing 88 and, you know, multiple times a week. Like I get, I get very uh, ping pong type calls. Monday he calls me. I feel great. I'm going to live another five years. I'm like, and he's like, I'm really sorry about that. I'm like, no, no, no. It's great. Like we like you, dad. Like we're glad to see you around. Tuesday he calls. I'm out of gas. I think it's over. I'm gonna need you to help me to end this, and I'm like, Dad, Dad, no, time out. Like, this isn't like. Next day, I feel wonderful. I'm gonna live another five years. This is great, Dad. This is really good. Next day, hey, Gunner, I'm out of, I'm out of gas. I just need to tell you, I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm like, Dad, you're killing me. Like, you're going like all up and like, like he's like, I just want to make sure that everything's okay. I'm like, Dad, we're good. Like, everything's like, I love you. You love me. I'm happy for the season. And I just see Abraham, like, in this seat, like, he doesn't know. Like, he'll see by the end of the chapter, but you'll have to wait till January to get there. Like, he'll see <laughs> that his son is going to get married to a good, godly woman that, that he is the desire of his heart. But in this moment, he doesn't know if he's going to survive the night. Like, like, he clearly has years ahead of him. Like, well, not, not to spoil your, anything, but I, I, I'll surprise you. Um, Laughter He's still got plenty of vitality left. We'll just leave it at that. Um, and and so he, he, he'd heard previously, if we were to go back to Genesis chapter 22, verses 20 through 24, there was a whole string of names there. And I glossed over them when we covered that. But if we were to go back there, we'd read, uh, Now it came about after these things that it was told to Abraham so Abraham is living in the promised land. Word comes to him. There's some news that comes to him. And uh, he we read, Behold, Mikah, Milka has born children to your brother Nahor. And so he gets word that his brother has some children. And then there's a whole long line of names that we could read, but I'm going to pass on doing that. And we go from Nahor um, down to... Bethuel. So his brother has a son named Bethuel, and Bethuel became the father of Rebecca. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, so there's a girl there. Uh, that was the whole point of this when we read that. So Abraham gets word that back in his home country of Ur, which is modern-day Iraq, God told him to leave that place, to go to the promised land, but the people in the promised land, he was not to commingle, like, or not to commingle, to, to, they, were, they were not to have children with one another. And so he gets word that his family member has some children, and so from that brother, there's a potential that there could be a wife that's found. And he'd be honoring God. And so where are we in this passage? So he says, please place your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites. That's in the promised land. That's where they're living. He said, whatever you do, do not let my son marry one of these women. That is not what God wants for us. Among whom I live, verse 4, but you will go to my country, the land of Ur, which is modern-day Iraq, which is like northeast of of Israel, and to my relatives, and take a wife for my son Isaac. So this this is his plan. This is what he's asking the guy to do. The guy uh, has some questions. Verse 5, the servant said to him, suppose the woman is not willing to follow me to this land. This is a pro- like, okay, this is a great idea. What if I go there? I go back to your people. I find the perfect lady, and I say, I got a proposition for you. You have a family member that's down in the promised land, the land of the Canaanites. I need you to leave all of your family. I need you to leave everything you have here to go meet this guy you don't know and to marry him. It's a really great idea. He's a good guy. I promise you. I assure you everything will be great. Um, but he's like, well, what if I find the girl? But she says, there's no way. Like I'm happy with where I live. I'm going to stay here. What do I do then? Should I take your son back to the land from where you came? Should I go get Isaac and then bring him to the land and marry to the girl? Like we found the girl in your old country. Should I do that? And so Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. This is like absolutely forbidden. This is like Abraham now is operating totally in faith, doesn't understand what God is doing. He knows that God has promised the land that he lives in. He's a, a sojourner there. He The only land that he actually owns in the promised land at this point is the little parcel of land where his wife is now buried. That's the only part of the promised land that he owns. The rest of it, he's just like a renter passing through. He can't own any other land. He was able to strike a deal uh, for this one uh, burial site. And he doesn't want to have his son leave this area to lose ground of the promise and to, to walk away and for everything that God was doing through his son Isaac to be gone. He said, you absolutely cannot take my son back to my people. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house from the land of my birth and who spoke to me and who swore to me saying to your descendants, I will give you this land. He will send his angel before you and you will take a wife for my son from there. He says, listen, God has made this promise. This land is ours. You go there, you find the woman. I am certain that God will deliver the right woman who will respond to the promise, and she will come, and, and God's word will be fulfilled because God said it, I believe it. And I don't know how it's going to work out, but this just has to be. <clears throat> but then he says in verse 8, but, but, if, but if this doesn't work out this way, but if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you'll be free from my oath. Only do not take my son back there. Like, do you think Abraham cares about a son going back to his old, the old country? Like, he's pretty serious about that. He's like, I need you to do this. God will provide a woman. But if he does, that's fine. You're free from the oath. The only thing I'm holding you to is that my, my son cannot go back to my mother country under no circumstances. So the servant placed his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and he swore to him concerning this matter. And in verse 10 through verses 67, we're going to see this guy go to the country. He's going to do some things. He's going to find a girl. Uh, the family and the girl are going to have to make some decisions about whether they're going to respond or not. And they, you know, spoiler alert, they, they do. Like, and then Rebecca comes back, and Isaac uh, marries her. And that happens in the rest of the chapter, verses 10 through 67. We're going to, we're going to get to this um in january because it's really about the story of rebecca and isaac and their faith journey and seeing how god's working in their life and they're not going to be perfect some of the family uh culture some of the family sins are going to repeat itself in in isaac's life if you've read through the bible you're like oh man i feel like this story seems familiar like husband saying the wife is a sister or not as like you know like like what's happening here so there's going to be some things for us uh, to look at then. I'm, I trust that you guys will have long forgotten. that I spoiled it by the time we get there. Um, but we fast forward to Genesis chapter 25. So Abraham has sent his servant out to, to find the wife. He finds the wife, but the wife is really connected, I think, in, in Isaac's story. The, the this part of Abraham's story is like, he really wants his child to marry well. And the problem is, is our children have free will, right? Like, like, uh, like they have free will, and like, like for a parent to pray that they, that God would provide like a spouse for their child that would be godly and honor and and help them to navigate life in a way that's Christ honoring. That's like a a huge prayer of of a, of a parent. And I do think that these prayers for parents, like to their kids, I, I think that they're, like, they, they can be effective. Like at the end of the day, each child has free will. Like we all have our, 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 the ability to reject God. And so I'm not in a necessarily like if your child is wayward and you prayed that you're like less spiritual, like that's just not how it works. Like, but, but I'm certain that I've been on the receiving end of these sort of prayers. Not from my family. I would live, I'm from a bunch of heathens. Like that's not like, like, but, but when Anna was born, her mom began praying for her future spouse. And when Anna was born, it was like the darkest season of my life. Like it was the beginning of this window that got really, really dark for like four or five years there. Like the first four or five years of Anna's life were the years that was leading up to where the courts got involved and I had to testify against my mom and I got out of there. And then when I look across at my, like, I don't want to like, I don't to kind of distance myself from my family, uh, but when I look at people who are in my situation, statistically, the cycle repeats itself. And some miraculous way, the cycle hasn't repeated itself in my life. And, and I, I can assure you, it wasn't because of my own strength, my own wisdom, my own, like, like I, can, I can guarantee you of that. I can tell you that I believe, with all of my life, that God interfered with my life. As desperate as I was to go against Him, He kept persisting. And like I think it'll only be when I get to heaven will I see how these prayers actually had an impact. Like I like, you know, like I'm not. I think of Frank Peretti's book, "This Present Darkness," where you read like the storyline and you see in the background the, the spiritual things that are happening. It's only. I think when I get to my next life and I look at the, like, you know, I in my mind, I kind of feel, I have a feeling that we're going to be able to see the DVR of our life and we're going to be able to rewatch our life through a spiritual lens to see all of the things that were happening. Don't hold that to me. Like, this is not in the Bible. This is just, this is just in Gunner's thinking. Like, um, and so Abraham is praying for his son. He's trying to do everything he can do in his power to make sure that things go well and that he he marries well, and so when we pick up verse one in chapter twenty-five, his son had just been married to Rebecca. The story is coming together, and then we read in verse one: Now Abraham took another wife. So he remarries. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's all hopped up on puppy love from seeing his kid get married that he was like, you know, I really miss being married, or I'm really lonely, and I want to get like, like whatever it is. He took another wife. Eddie's old but he still had vitality. Uh, So whose wife was named Keturah, she bore to him uh, one, two, three, four, five, six sons. That's how I got out of reading those names. (laughs) So she had six boys. They all mean stuff, but I'm not going to go through that. You can look it up, but it kind of like there's Some of them are musicians, some of them are angry. That's kind of like the thrust of like the names. <laughs> like that's Gunner's real cliff notes of what I took out of it. Um, and the sons of uh, D Dan were such and such and such and such and such and such. The sons of Median. So then we kind of go through their like family line. The the short of this is Abraham got remarried. We followed the 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 line of this family and and what happened. And so there's some things to talk about here. um, the, The first off is that Abraham remarried, right? Abraham was married previously. That marriage lived out the course of its days according to the vow that is taken, until death do we part. So at death, he's freed from the vow he made. He remains in the land of the living. His wife is in the presence of the Lord. And so how do we, like, handle this? There's, like, absolutely no rule in the Bible that you have to remarry after your spouse dies, right? Um, there's, there, there's there's no rule in the Bible that says you have to stay unwed after your spouse dies. Um, and so it really comes down to this, like, this personal choice. If you're a a widow or a widower and you find yourself like post your your spouse's death after however much time and you're grappling with this like i do believe the bible absolutely makes it clear that like r- r- getting married again is absolutely on the table and staying single is absolutely on the table um i think that like God, in large part, has, has created us to desire like companionship in our lives. Like th- There's clearly like exceptions to the rules. Uh, whether that companionship is found within marriage or fellowship or however, um, uh, it's kind of like how you choose to live it out, how God leads in this. Uh, we do know that the Bible talks about that in singleness, you're freer to serve God, that you have freedom to do whatever you want. And so I would say that when I, when I look at this story and I look at sort of reality, for like where we are in our own lives in this point in history, that like if you were married and your spouse died, you have freedom to remain single for God's glory. So if you remain single, continue serving Him, walking with Him, living for Him in glory. Uh, if you want to remarry. That's great. That's wonderful. You can remarry to God's glory. And and it doesn't nullify your memories of of the past. It it, like it doesn't do this. Um there is a warning here that, that I um that I that I think that elderly people who are widowers, they also do need to hear. Um I don't think – I'm not going to look around because I'm just going to kind of look up at the ceiling and kind of like I'm, – I'm like 99.99% sure I'm not talking. This, what I'm about to say, applies to anybody that's in this room, but I could be wrong. And so I want to be careful in case I missed that one person that I forgot about, that I am happen to be looking at that person. It's like I'm not talking to you. Like I'm not like this. is like the I always got to be careful about this sort of stuff. I spend a lot of time in retirement homes or a retirement home in general. Um I kind of feel like retirement homes and elderly people like you kind of revert. You kind of you can kind of become like high school kids, and uh, and how they behave isn't always necessarily the most mature. And and I've seen plenty of like widowers depending on like where doesn't matter like whatever your age is. And I would say to the Christian widower, because like none of this really applies to the like if you're a non-believer, what I'm saying doesn't really like if you're a non-believer, you need to get it right with God. But if you're a believer and you're a widow or widower, or single, of any like variety age, um there's a there's a warning to pretend like you're married, but you're not married. So there are plenty of widowers in that category who then Find somebody that they really uh, like and enjoy. And uh, um, I just see something in the parking lot, Scott, if you want to go. Like, I'm not sure what's going on out there. If you want to, it might be fine. I just see some security situation. So I don't know if it's okay or not. It could be fine. Um, Could totally be fine. Um, (laughs) uh, Not my problem uh, right now. Um, And,. uh, but to pretend like that you're married. There are plenty of people who are like in this older category or they're widowed and they say, you know, I, I don't want to get married because if I get married, my social security check is going to be stopped or the pension is going to end or this. Like there's like monetary reasons Why somebody that age would say, you know what, I would like to get married, but because of this, I'm not going to. And your social security payment, these like monetary benefits, like these, there's nowhere in the scripture that sort of like excludes these things. The Bible says that marriage is the context by which male and female are to interact in this intimate way. And so if you're in this older, elderly category, you're not exempt from the things that the Bible says just because you're collecting like social security benefits as a widower. The Bible says if you're have like, if you're burning with passion and there's an individual, like you're to get married. Like that's, that's what the Bible says. Okay. That's probably enough on that. Uh, all of these names, I also think that there's this, this command to um, to fill the earth. We see Father Abraham also, like in this age, like filling up the generations of of the people groups. And in this next verse, verse five. Now Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Everything. This is kind of like you could see room for some bitterness amongst the children. Um, all of the pro- all of the promises were given to Isaac, and and then. Um, uh as uh, the situation, I'm sorry, there's just things happening. I'm not sure what's going on out there. <laughs> like a bazillion people just entered the church. <laughs> so uh, not a, that's an exaggeration. Um, uh, everything that Abraham had, he gave to his son Isaac. Because this is where all of the promises were. Uh, were it's everything that was promised um, to them. Like, I'm really not sure what I'm really curious. My brain is like... Uh, uh, um, okay, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts while he was still living and them, sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the land of the east. And so these promises are given. Uh, promises. These gifts are given to Isaac. There's, there's gifts that are given to the various other sons, gifts while he's still alive, which is different and distinct from the inheritance. Inheritance is when Abraham dies. Everything he has is left to his son Isaac. While I, Abraham is still alive, he, um, he is, he's giving out various gifts. We're told that he sends them to the east. If you follow the genealogy of these people, you see the, the filling of the arab world you ever wonder where the word arab world comes from abraham and so you can follow the, the thread of this wife that he had later in his life that this fills like the saudi arabia peninsula and this part of the world um ishmael uh, fills in the land sort of uh, to the north like iran iraq uh, north of israel and so that you can kind of see all of the where these people groups go and so there's this filling of the world. All right, my brain is all focused here. We good, Jim? Okay, that was like, very unusual. Um, okay, verse 7. These are all of the years of Abraham's life that he lived. 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age. An old man satisfied with life. And he was gathered to his people. And so we have this, just like this, back to that scene of eating that meal where you take that last bite, you're full, you're content, there's still food on the table, and you're just peaceful. Abraham finished his life well. He finished his life at peace with God, walking by faith. Everything is going well. And I love this. But we see throughout Genesis this person breathed their last, and they died. And that's certainly the order that's going to be for all of us. One day, you're going to breathe your last, and you're going to die, and you're going to stand before your creator, either uh, rejoicing in worship or in agony and regret. There's, there's, There's no like, middle ground. You're either with him for salvation or with him in judgment and condemnation. And then in verse 9, we see this beautiful picture. Like, it's another beautiful picture. It just struck me this like, this. I'd never seen this before, I, and it's probably because I haven't been tearing apart the pages of Genesis over the course of my life. But in verse 9, we read, Then his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him. In the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar and Hittite, Facing Mamre and the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth, there Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. It came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac lived by Beer La Hay Roy. Um, so the thing that strikes me. It's like Isaac and Ishmael, you don't think these two guys would be getting along, right? These are, these are not two sons or two brothers that you think would get along well. You have Isaac who got everything. You have Ishmael who's the product of sort of this relationship that wasn't pleasing to God. It was done in the flesh. There was drama with that whole section the whole time. We know that Ishmael, like by the Bible's account, he's this guy that's like sort of a difficult guy, and he's going to go off, we're going to read it here, that he was sort of like in tension with everybody. But here in this moment, in the death of Abraham, these two boys like pulled it together to honor their father and to honor God. And like whatever was involved, like we don't get a lot of the story. What we get is that Isaac and Ishmael, these two guys that shouldn't be friendly to one another, act mature, and they're able to bail, ba- like bury their father. And so I don't know if I'm like reading too much into this, but it's a beautiful thought. And I think that there is an example to us that that we ought to be people who are peacemakers, and we ought to be people who put ourselves at sort of like an uncomfortable place to make sure that we're honoring God and how we treat other people. Paul would write in Romans that so far as it depends on us, we should be at peace with all men. Now, you can't always, like, as far as it depends on us, we can't control the other person, and often there are people who will instigate and provoke and continue to poke and prod and not be happy, and they're just just miserable people. But their being miserable people never gives us an excuse to respond to them in a way that's not pleasing to God. We are to be peacemakers. And I can assure you that one or both of these two guys had to humble themselves to be a peacemaker in this story, to bury their father. Then we look at verse 12, uh, just to really sort of gloss over this. Verses 12 through 18 can be summarized in the first verse. Now, these are the records of the generations of Ishmael, uh, Abraham's son, who Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's maid, bore to Abraham. And he goes through all of the list of names of, the, of his children down to verse 16. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names according to their villages and by their camps, and the 12 princes according to their tribes. Uh, verse 17. These are the years of Ishmael, 137 years, and he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. They settled in this area, Havilah, to Shur which is east of Egypt as one goes towards Assyria. He settled in defiance of all of his relatives. So his sort of his life and generations are defined. If we were to keep reading, we're going to see that Genesis is going to cover uh, the life of Isaac and his generations and sort of give a, an overview. And the reason it's doing this, it's saying, here's the life of Abraham. Here's Abraham's children. And then we're going to look at sort of the generational flow of what was played out in their lives. So, the big question that I always kind of grapple with is like what do we do with this passage? like how do we handle this? Uh, never before have I seen this I don't know why I get surprised when the Bible surprises me it's like I just I just didn't like see this it is so much in our culture like within like like there's a lot within the Christian community and our just our, our community at large where people have to deal with what like the word blended family like the you know my, his, hers, and ours situation, and this various things, and so here in Abraham's life, he very much has a blended family, and and some of it was through his flesh and difficult. The third one was like totally blessed by God, and nothing was wrong with it. But we see this blended family, and I think it's like this this beautiful picture because what would Abraham become? Abraham would become Father Abraham. That through God's blessing, like all of these people have the potential to be grafted into his family. And I think that we see this sort of early in his life. If we were fast forwarding to the New Testament in Galatians, we read of this being grafted into Abraham's family. Uh, Galatians 3, verses 6 to 9. Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, Be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. So we're told in the New Testament if you have believed in Christ and you are a child of God by faith, you're grafted in to being a part of Abraham's family. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, that's the vast majority of us, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All of the nations will be blessed in you. The story of the gospel was revealed to Abraham many, many, many centuries prior to Jesus coming. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. We are all different in Christ, but we are unified through Christ, and it's a beautiful thing. Then when I look at this picture, I see Abraham and Sarah, they're they're given as this picture of of faith. If we were to read in Hebrews chapter 11, we read their name pop up multiple times. Never do we see that their faith is necessarily like perfect. But they understand who God is and we see their faith growing, 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 and their obedience begins to follow suit in faith. And it's this, this perfect picture of, of how faith matures. My prayer is that each one of us <clears throat> would continue to grow in our faith. It doesn't really matter where you were a year ago. It doesn't matter where you were two years ago. It doesn't matter where you were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years, 40, 50, 60, 80, 90, and I think we could probably stop at 90. Um, like, you go back 50 years and you could have been super on fire for the Lord. You could have been walking with him by faith doing everything. That means nothing today if you're not walking by faith. The other, on the other side of the coin is you could be a total derelict like me. I'm just speaking to myself. I'm not even like, I was a total hooligan. But that doesn't matter. It matters like today. How is my faith? And my my prayer for each of us, that our faith today is stronger than our faith was yesterday, the day before, last week, last year, last decade, that we're growing. This is what we see in Abraham and Sarah. All right, with that, let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, this time that we can gather together. Uh, Lord, we are uh, grateful for this life of Abraham to see... um, to see the Bible share about these characters in a in a way that 's real that's uh, it 's not sugar coated it 's not watered down, but we see them in their imperfection, we see them in their encounter with you, their failings, their mistakes, their sin, and we see you, a holy God, one that is so gracious, so kind, so merciful uh, patient and so Father, we just thank you that you are the same way with us, that you don't demand perfection from us because that's impossible. You desire us to be faithful to you. You desire us to love you, to walk with you. And so, Father, I pray that as we grow in our relationship with you, that you would increase our faith, that you would help us to trust you more and more each day. I pray, Father, that you would um, just help us to be the men and women that you desire us to be, Uh, Father, we pray uh, that you would help us as a congregation to honor you in all that we do. And it's in Christ's good name I pray, amen.